0: You're listening to This Week in E-Commerce, the Ecom Nation podcast. Dive into the top online retail headlines with your hosts, Paul Waddy and Mal Chia. Let's load up the cart. This Week in E-Commerce, episode nine, with Mal Cheer and Paul Waddy. Paul, can't believe it. We're almost into double digits for our episodes.
1: <laughs> Funny, I thought we were past double digits. Um, yeah, you go, yeah. number nine. Okay, nine since we started counting, anyway. That's right, nine since we started counting. How are you? Go, go to Orange, um, I should say. Yeah, took a trip to Orange uh, for Small Business Week in New South Wales and took the family. Orange was great. Um, Central Tablelands, I think the region is, um, so about four hours from Sydney, three and a half. Um, I think the, the wine was great, we have a wine region. Um, it was pretty co- cool, so we've been in 37-degree weather in Sydney and then we went to four degrees in um in Orange but yeah a bit of a shout out to Orange um nice part of the world and some really good uh, good entrepreneurs over there as well so it was good how was your week?
0: My week was great I was over at Airwallex I was spoke at the Airwallex um, conference so their their Black Friday event um on Thursday along with Jess from Frank Body um Rachel from 3x1 and uh Alex from Alex Babich from Kalani Keenies. Um, so they were on the panel and I did the opening keynote and it was, a, it was a great event. It was a great event. The uh, Airwallex guys, this is I believe the first event of the kind. So really, really well done event. Um, and obviously a uh, really great content as well. If I, if I do say so myself, but the interesting thing was that for a black Friday event, how anti black Friday it was. Um, it actually worked quite well that a lot of what I spoke about was, the need to not have a Black Friday about that we are, as retailers, we are just continually making things harder for ourselves. <laughs> we just constantly going on sale. I'm expecting that to be a little bit uh, controversial, but it was backed up by the panel who pretty much just like picked up what I put down in the opening keynote and just dived into it for like an hour about how they've built three pretty cool brands, you know, across Frank Body, um, Kalanikinis, and then also, um, uh, um, Three by one, which have new rollers and, uh, and another brand um, all in denim space about how they've managed to build a great brand without actually going on discount. Um, and the whole the whole point of it was just about the importance of, you know, smart discounting, but then also building great brands, which Ooh. don't need to go on discount. So it's a, which is a common theme of what we talk about here.
1: That's cool. Yeah, I love that. Um, <clears throat> Black Friday the least exciting period of the e-commerce uh, or retail calendar. So it's good to hear people um, not frothing constantly about it.
0: Yeah, yeah, I think if you're planning to, like, to do 60% of your annual rev in one, in uh, in one period, I think yeah, there's a you got to really be taking some hard looks at your business model.
1: Yeah, yeah, I mean we've broken that that down before and just the ability to check your profits in that um, in that month, which a lot of people don't do, but um, yeah, I think it, look, it's a topic for another day. But the cycle, the, the, the cycle you get into, and with Black Friday looked at, it, at, at looked at as the Messiah, uh, a bit of a false prophet. But yeah, yeah interesting, interesting. Um, and so, some news this week we're going to cover off. First topic off the rank,
0: we are going to be discussing News Corp launching their marketplace. Um, marketplace as being uh, another thing which I don't. Hard to make money in marketplaces. So, what yeah. do you make of News Corp diving into the endorsed marketplace space? And what they're saying here is that you know they're they're launching a marketplace which is going to be curated by their team who are going to be reviewing um, the products and only going to have their products which um which which they recommend and endorse on the marketplace in a way to make shopping easier for consumers to find great products. Um yes, what do, you, I'm what, sure what do you make of that?
1: I'm sure that's what they're going to do, Mal. Um, it's going to be curated. It's going to be so good. It's going to be. Um, it'll be exactly what you're searching for, and uh, won't be pay per click or anything like that. Um, I think. Um, well, do we need another marketplace? Probably not. Um, is it a great time to start one? Probably not. Um, tough space, particularly as it's not their bread and butter. Mm. Um, I. I don't know. I'm, I'm, do I be positive or skeptical? I going to go with skeptical. Um,
0: so you're, you, you're bearish on this. I, I think, uh, oh, I'm very bearish on this, by the way. So, yeah.
1: Look, I read news.com that I use sometimes for news, but um, it's border, it's, it's largely entertainment. And that's fine. Like it's, they're huge, right? But um, you would know as a consumer of their media that a lot of it is, Sponsored. Um, so this is—we t- touched on this last week with Amazon, right? And basically, Amazon in the US under a bit of pressure for. Uh, I mean, look, sponsored—you um, know, paying to appear high in the search rankings is part of life, right? In Google, in Amazon, anything like that. So I would be—I will be interested to see if your average brand can get there and get a decent presence, or whether it'll just be like all purely sponsored and—and mm-hmm. and if it will really be curated. Uh, on taste or whether whether it would be curated on who's, who's spending the most advertising dollars. Um, and, you know, look, I'll check it out. Uh, I, I think it's a really hard time to launch um, an e-commerce site, an e-commerce marketplace, hyper-competitive. You're taking on some massive retailers here. So interesting. Good on them. Have a go. It's called Checkout. Um, I just think it would be tough. I, I have no idea about it. Number one digital brand with you know one eleven point six million, so they've got an audience. Um, that's good. Um, I wonder from a retail perspective, have you heard any retailers talk about it? No, none whatsoever. And that's no, the thing, so it's
0: not know. it's not their bread and butter. There's already so many other marketplaces out there, you know, like you know the the Barbecue's galore and the catch of the days you know, the catch.coms.au, I mean, um, and, uh, and you know, and, and other ones like Baby Bunting recently launching theirs, they've got an inbuilt audience already. Like they've got an inbuilt audience who are already there to shop and buy from them, who they're just hoping to spend more with them in the marketplace so they can, you know, continue to make, you know, a little bit more clips from them. Whereas news.com, they're coming into this from nothing. They don't have you know, any bona fides as far as a retailer goes. People aren't used to transacting, you know, with this particular brand. So it really needs to be established as a separate standalone brand, which then doesn't leverage any of the benefits of news. But so I don't know how they can have their cake and eat it too. Um, And also I don't really know how, how trustworthy they are in terms of their products anyway. So with their teams of reviewers and things like that, I don't see how that's any different to, you know, other ones which have more credibility, such as a choice, you know, for instance, which have years and years and actually decades and decades of trust which they've built up. Um, yeah. So I think it's going to be a hard slope for News to be able to, you know, make a, make a go of this. But, you know, let's see what happens. Let's see I what happens. If
1: you, if you hit the link, which is news.com.au, you check out, it's advertorials. So it's not product listing, it's, it's advertorials. So I think it's, um, you know, it's a revenue stream for them to write paid endorsed mm-hmm. articles, which they do anyway, but this is just probably an outlet for them to do more of. But um, I would be a little bit worried if people listening to the podcast or you and I haven't heard about it from a retail perspective. The first thing I read is like Dyson Airs purifies incredible new feature. Look, it's not super exciting, but um, anyway, whatever. Good luck to them. Um, Welcome to the mix and see how you go. (laughs) Right, the next article we're going to talk
0: about is from Airwallex. So Airwallex put out a press release last week um, announcing that based on the, their data, they have seen, get this, in Australia, a 2900000000 billion year-on-year decline in online spending. That is yeah. just a ridiculous amount. Um, like we already knew that it was getting pretty soft. Um, and even yep. like the ARA today announced that, you know, the, that Christmas is probably going to be lower spending than, um, than, than previous years. Um, but that is just a gigantic amount. And Indus is saying $2.9 billion down. Um, digital and technology and education all fell. Um, and the only sector which managed to grow was online travel, which grew 12.75%, which, you know, I can attest to from how bloody crowded the airport is every time I go there. Um, but it seems that, you know, discretionary spending is well and truly down at the moment. As we, you know, we knew this already, but to see these numbers, to contextualize it in terms of $2.9 billion and Harvey Norman as well, also reporting recently, I think they, they reported like a, a 32% decline in their, in their revenues last quarter.
1: Yeah, yeah. Um, I guess not, we can't be in any doubt that things are slow. Um, so, for those brands out there that are sort of still thinking macroeconomic um, factors aren't at play here or they don't affect you, they, they probably do. But if you're still growing in this, in this time, you're doing exceptionally well. And um, $2.9 billion a year is an enormous amount. And we know that we've previously said together on this podcast that retail has gone backwards quarter on quarter. I think um, clothing has been hit. And you know times are tough when clothing gets hit, um, particularly with women's fashion. Um, so, yeah, I think it's just, you know, it's, um, again, what it's just interest rates are high, you know, inflation high, curb spending, price comes down. Mm. The problem is, like, personally, I'm not seeing a lot of prices come down yet on your household staples. But anyway, will um, CPI... I guess inflation eventually will come down. I think we're probably still in for a little bit of, uh, as this um, number suggests, a little bit of a tightening of the belt. It's a bit sad, really, because you know that um, seeing a lot of brands holding too much stock because sales are a bit soft, so you know that November is going to be monstrous with sales, um, Mm -hmm. discounting through the roof. I think that's great for consumers, I guess, but I think um, it does damage to the industry overall because it trains consumers to wait for these Massive sales, and um, there's no doubt in my mind that over the next six months, we're going to see more retailers close. Um, overstocked, low cash sales <laughs> happening when you're on sale. And that's that's a road to a fast road to nowhere.
0: Mm. And that's a really good segue into the main topic we're going to talk about this week, um, which is some very high-profile uh, DTC brands uh, are in a bit of trouble in the U.S., um, so the three which uh, we're going to cover off um, in some high, some detail um, are Parade Underwear, which is a brand which you and I hadn't really heard of, but recently um, were were acquired by a, uh, a an underwear. Portfolio company, um, who as recently as two years ago had a two hundred million dollar valuation, but then have now since been acquired for cents on the dollar, um, as well as Small Direct Club, um, which a lot of people would have heard about. they're, they're a very well known DTC brand. They were one of the earlier earlier players, I guess. They feel like they've been around for a while. Um, who had a nine, were at one point valued at nine billion dollars but have recently filed for bankruptcy and, uh, and Blue Apron, who, um, who, who deliver um, household household products um, from uh, you know, losing quite a lot from their market capitalization. Um, I think they actually IPO'd, uh, but they've uh, they lost $110 million and now have a 35 million cap um, market cap. So, and all these brands from everything which we're seeing, are due to those exact reasons you talked about before, you know, who are either holding on to too much inventory. Or in the case of Parade, if we talk about that one first, you know, Parade were the darling of you know the the, the underwear brand for the the um, the TikTok generation. You know, if you go to the website, lots of bright colours, um, you know, lots of diversity inclusion, really made famous through through social media, um, but really collapsing. Um, despite the fact that they were growing 50% year-on-year year, um, sales growth. Um, but then at a $200 million valuation, um, it all came crashing down when they realized that they were, at the end of last year, they only had $7 million left in the bank and were unable to continue funding their growth pretty much. And the number which stuck out to me is one which we talk about a lot, which is they were spending 60% of, gro- of net revenue on advertising which is just a insane amount.
1: Yeah. How, so $200 million valuation. Did you see their numbers when they got that valuation? Were they profitable at that point or were they just getting No, it they've on? never been profitable. So that's crazy. Mm. And That's I think great.
0: with a lot of these brands, like the appetite for unprofitable startups, I think um, uh, Michael Dell, um, founder of Dell Computers, uh, shared um, shared his 1st PL and um, like about a month or so ago, you know, which uh, the 1st PL from l um, from Dell Computers. And it was like, they made $10,000, know, something like that. Or it, maybe it was like the, the, the annual statement, but it was like, they'd made $10,000 and he was just like, check this out. and He was contrasting that with how a startup launches now, they're expected to lose like $10 million but like he's making $10,000 and it just goes to show like, you know, the appetite for unprofitable ventures of any sort, whether they be tech or DTC just isn't there anymore.
1: Mm. Correct. Yeah. And I think it's um, uh, the, the article we're reading is a post from Ben Cogan, um, C-O-G-A-N. Thanks Ben on, on LinkedIn, but l- looking at some of the other companies there that he's, so he's basically predicted that a couple of others are on the chopping block and, um, he those are uh all birds, mm-hmm. rent the runway, bark, grove collaborative, aka brands, and purple Mattresses. So we've spoken about all birds before as a pretty cool concept, but you know, lot lose lost 101 million, shrunk 10% year on year, rent the runway, lost 212 million. Um, Bark lost 61 million. I mean, I it just blows my mind that one, who's making the decision to invest in these companies? And I feel sorry for any um, shareholders that have gone in and really done their, done their money. And, um, you know, AKA Brands, again, is like a tough one at the moment. But there's a crazy valuations. We spoke about it here with who's the one we spoke about it here with Mao the previous uh, BWX, mm, yep. just paying ridiculous amounts for businesses that they, that they shouldn't. And then let's be honest, just not running them well. And I don't care what anybody says, the best private equity firm in the world, or publicly listed, or the A team in management spending sixty percent into marketing is just bad business, and it's all misaligned. You know, they're obviously going for growth at all costs to deliver, you know, great earnings reports. But what's it, earnings should be, you know, it should be all it should always be about profits. And even in my limited experience in selling a business or raising capital in my experience, aside from the the really weird ones that get, get hot and this parade underwear is purely like, looks like some social media phenomenon, but mostly the um, the the better deals from the private equity or even a trade point of view come in when your business is pro- making a profit of greater than $3 million a year. Um, that's just my experience. Like I just seen businesses like go in with no profit and they're just... They just don't get valuations and these stupid results every now and then that get people really excited because mm-hmm. some, some moron has paid over the odds for some <laughs> crappy business losing money and then everyone goes, I know, I can have a crappy business and lose money and then sell for $100 million. And it's a warning again for founders, I think, to not hold out for that sale. I hope you get it one day and I hope one day when your hard work's done you can rest and, you know, but life's short and, um, you know you've got to run your business profitably so you're improving life today
0: mm.
1: not improving life in 10 years so um no 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 one ever looked at a profitable business and laughed mal <laughs> well
0: i think a lot of it is like not knowing your unit economics and the thing about like when you have these tech valuations for d2c brands is that in tech your marginal costs are fixed you know you can keep scaling from you know 1 million customers to 10 million customers and your, your marginal costs relatively stay the same whereas in d2c they don't Because you need to scale production, you're going to need more team, you're going to need more warehousing. Like all your costs increase. The bigger you get, your costs increase. So I feel like in some of these companies, like they just haven't figured out how to actually scale their costs like they don't have good they fundamentally don't have good unit economics in some of these brands if we look at all birds you know all birds have have had a growth at all cost mentality and they just haven't been able to grow they haven't been there were it feels like a lot of the investments the growing and pushing into other countries into opening omnichannel yeah, has been a big focus on like you know becoming going into that next stratosphere you know of that brand but haven't been able to take that leap. And I've looked at some of these other brands as well, similarly with the AKA making all these very big acquisitions of like the Princess Polly's of the world, um, you know, the the culture kings of the world, expecting that to like propel them to the next stratosphere or being able to take these brands to the next level, particularly in the US. And it just hasn't eventualized. It just hasn't eventuated over there. And I know that Princess Polly, we talked about a couple of weeks ago, um, have opened a a store, I think in, in Rodeo Drive or somewhere like that. It's a very high profile location it's very expensive. It's a very big bed, but do the, did the fundamentals stack up? Like, did they actually have good economic economics? Does this company actually have really solid bones to be able to grow from? So what I'd probably like to see is that a bit of change in that mentality from this growth at all costs of like, you know, we have to be a hundred million dollar brand to a $500 million to a 1 billion to actually go like, where are we actually comfortable? Where can we actually take this business and have a really, really good solid business, you know, um, yeah. I, I think, I feel it's a bit of a change in mindset now from people actually, you know, not just eating what they need rather than trying to get everything, trying to get the whole smorgasbord, just trying to get, just, just trying to get with things that they actually need.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Is all birds publicly listed? I think. No, I don't think they, I don't think they are. Yeah. It's a, it's just interesting. I think, um, I think it might be, actually, is it? All Bird stock was soaring today. Anyway, I think the, the point, is the, you know, like, it, it just comes back to, again, a lot. like a lot of these publicly traded um, businesses, the share price is, is kind of like what, what's driving decisions and that the share price is often, unfortunately, is often um, manipulated by news and, and often manipulated by just pointless news, um, like we talked about last week with um, Lululemon and Peloton.
0: Um, yeah, <laughs> great yeah. Peloton. Yeah, exactly.
1: It's like their share, their share price spiked. Like great, like just the just on sentiment, and um and unfortunately, like a lot of businesses just want to put out news, and that news tends to be oh we grew again, um, mm. whereas you and and I guess it's there's a responsibility or lack of uh, for in it's small investors publicly trading on the ASX or the Nasdaq. Most of them don't look at profitability. They're just looking at, mm. you know, what the market's doing. Um, they're looking at what what news are they putting out. But if you broke down the um, P&Ls of some of these businesses that we're talking about, they make, no, or the unit economics, they make no sense. I, I, I remember seeing, like, one very big Australian food business, you know, one of those food prep businesses, and their prospectus was being passed around, maybe not for the first time, and I just looked at it and it had gross profit of 37%. And I was just like, this business will never, ever make money. But the person that sent it to me said, see, valued at $300 million or something. And I was like, check back in in five years. Like, let's see where you, good luck to you if you buy in at $200 million with on a business that's 37% gross uh, I, I,
0: I, was at, I was at Uber. At one point, we had a $90 billion valuation and the share price is not what, <laughs> not, not, not what they, not what I
1: put mine at. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. So it's it's crazy, but I don't know. Too complex mm. for me. I just like good, simple businesses that help me um, help me make money to buy shoes. <laughs> That's right. Your 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 TN addiction.
0: <laughs> my sorry, my my TN addiction. <laughs> your TNs. <laughs> just looking at Albers now, actually, they uh, they their IPO price was fifteen dollars, um, where they they finished trade on the first day of trade at twenty eight dollars USD, um, and that was only in November twenty twenty one. The share yeah. price is now $1.26. Oh, that's,
1: abys- that's abysmal. And that, is, yeah. that
0: is horrific. Um, it's and, and, that's, and I think a lot of it's like, you know, the whole dream of, of having an IPO. Like, IPOs generally, for the most part, I think um, um, Jason Andrews might have said this actually. The IPOs, for the most part, don't make anyone except for the bankers rich oh,
1: yeah. um, because
0: the bankers are the ones who, who, who benefit the most. Like the, the company will go public, they'll put a percentage of their stock, you know, onto um, uh, they'll list a percentage of their stock. They'll list it at a at a sweetheart price for the bankers, um, for, for 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 the bankers' clients, to get that day one pop. Then, in general, like the that day one pop is getting less and less and less. Like right now, it's probably only about twenty percent. Um, and then, if the business doesn't have good bones, it's pretty quickly exposed like an Albert, you know, um, whereas you've got other brand companies, which I know, I know it's only been like a few weeks and Clavio like we've talked about before, you know, they're yeah. trading, they're still trading above their day one. Yeah, which price. is uh, which which is fantastic. You know, they they um, the IPO price was thirty dollars. Um, they're still trading at 30, 33 dollars. So College. they're just above that at the moment, which right. is which is good. And that's that's showing that you know they've got a business there. They've got something which people believe in. Um, mm. You know, and they've got something something stable there which can continue to grow. And I, I do believe in that one. Whereas other brands like D2C brands, like unless the unit economics are really good and they've got a good path to growth, I just don't see how they're going to be able to justify some of these valuations, yeah. particularly when you're spending 60% on your advertising. You know, and even then, like just going back to the parade example, they were saying 60%. And their 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 objective the following year was to reduce it to 40%. And it's like, guys, <laughs> yeah. it's like moving deck chairs on the Titanic.
1: Yeah, forty percent, and then their revenues will shrink because they're dependent on paid media. But yeah, it's a slippery slope. It's um, and when you don't get it right from the start, it's really hard to correct because it, you become dependent on the sales to cover your fixed mm. costs, even though you're losing money. It's a real, it becomes a mess. At what point do you put it in the bin and start again? But um, good lesson for the smaller businesses out there, just to focus on getting the unit economics right from the start mm. uh, because but I grow, just
0: grow profitably from the start. Grow like, don't try to just throw more money at it to grow and, like, reach, ast- you know, oh, really st- stratospheric heights only to have, like, no money left in the day.
1: Scale doesn't fix poor, mark, poor, poor unit economics. Like, yes, in theory, you scale your revenue and the, the dollar gets bigger, but it's such a stressful, stressful mm. game. Um, and you're so volatile. When your revenue drops, you've got to go on sale. So, you know, high-margin businesses, for me, are just not um, praised enough. Um, not talking about enough, but um, love a high-margin business now. just sets you up for um, a much better journey as an entrepreneur, I think.
0: 100%. 100%. All right, Paul, what are we looking forward to this week?
1: Um, you're back in Sydney um, with me again. We are hosting a, uh, we being Ecom Nation, our agency is hosting a, a lunch session uh, with Clavio, um, where we'll be talking to um, Lee, the CEO, CEO of Keisha, um, unfortunately that's sold out that one but um, we'll probably have a, um, a recap on social so follow us on socials and then we are a bit of a call out to Adelaide we are in Adelaide later this month doing a Shopify meetup again with Ecom Uh if you're in Adelaide feel free to reach out and see if you're uh, eligible to, Yeah, to Actually, it it's Shopify. It's um,
0: it's the Adelaide Shopify Meetup with uh, again with Clavio So clavio this time. Oh yeah, uh, yeah. Common Board as a partner with us uh, to to bring this event to Adelaide. Um, it's a great community building event, really, just to get the whole Adelaide e-commerce yeah. and Shopify community together. Um, so it'll be a lot of fun and a uh, couple of great guest speakers as well. Um, John Craig from uh, TWI, aka Shields Group, um, and then the one and only Paul Waddy gracing an Adelaide stage with his presence for the
1: very first time. Yeah, yeah, that, that'll be fun. Uh, yeah, I think, uh, where is it at, Mal? Mismatch Brewery. So, Mismatch um, Brewery, yeah. G- generally, there'll be some good food, a few drinks, some really good e chat. And um, yeah, always good to uh, get out to, to sunny Adelaide, Mal, one of my favourite places in the world. So I'm looking, uh, looking forward to that. Busy month ahead. As, as it should be, as it should be. Yeah. All right, well, that's all we've got time for. All right, till cool. next week. See you guys.